This episode of the podcast is sponsored by First Gen Fly. First Gen Fly has custom-made t-shirts. You can also make your own t-shirt. Just reach out to firstgenfly.com and use the code LAMP20 to save 20%. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with LAMP. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is an educator out of Maryland, Mr. Jacob Scott. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You, you were supposed to do this like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready, man. I, I'm not. I'm, I had to step up to your level. <laughs> oh, look, man. I'm look. I'm not. I'm not at that level yet. I'm. I'm still scratching and clawing. I'm getting there. You're tall, not only in physical stature, but but uh, your reputation precedes you. So, keep up the great work, man. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. How's everything going? Everything is well, all things considered. I, I have nothing at all to complain about. Um, I feel like the deck is stacked in my favor, and I'm grateful for God to God for that. So, taking them one at a time, like He gives them to us. Amen. Now, I wanted to start the conversation, of course, with you educating and during these times, COVID. So what does that look like for you? Um, well, I'm a high school math teacher and I teach at, my school has uh, all sp students who are speakers of other language. So English is their second language or third or whatever. And um, so I teach them mathematics and English, and uh, we are online 100%. I use a great program called uh, iExcel. So I, like I said, I'm math, so I, I teach the upper level as well. So I teach uh, 11th and 12th graders. So, um, you know, one of the most sobering things is the fact that despite the fact that we're in a pandemic and we are all online, this is the last time that many of these kids will have a high school math class. So I, I feel the, the weight of preparing them for their future, whether that be college or trade school or just life. So I am boiling down the curriculum and addressing real life matters, um, taxation, the stock market, um, applications of functions. So things that, that they will be able to use uh, day one when they step out of my classroom, so. Did you, did you say the stock market? Yeah, I mean, the, but, I mean, you know, the stock market is all about trends. And so, um, you know, you, you, can, you can learn, there's a ton of math in the stock market. So yes, for sure. Is that, did you come up with that curriculum or is that every teacher? It isn't every teacher, um, it's me. Um, I've always made it a point to infuse the things that I think that students can learn from that they can apply in real life into my classroom, whether it's what I do with real estate, um, what I do with the stock market, uh, what I do in my everyday, everyday life, like I said, with taxation, um, understanding the U.S. tax code and being able to file your taxes, all those things. So I think those are things that every student is going to need. And uh, so I make it a point to introduce those, those, those things to students. So, Wow. I, 
I'm, I'm wishing, I'm thinking about me growing up and wishing I would have had somebody to teach me that at such, at such a young age when I actually would have been able to apply it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very unfortunate that um, sometimes students only learn about these things by accident uh, when, when they've gotten into trouble tax-wise or they, you know, have lived, spent the majority of their lives in an apartment and they have nothing to show for it. Um, so I just really try to give students a, a leg up uh, by giving them those, those jewels um, at an early age and, you know, sometime down the road, maybe even with like say credit cards, for example, um, if I don't, if I don't talk to my students about a car loan or a credit card, and the first time that they hear about it is from a creditor <laughs> or, or a car salesman, they are going to get eaten alive. Mm -hmm. So I don't want a student of mine to go through that experience. So I need to prepare them and say, listen, you know, you are at, at the age of 18, you are eligible to get a credit card. And let me tell you what a credit card is and how you can use this credit card to your advantage. But I also need to admonish you that this credit card could be, you know, the, the, the key to your financial ruin at an early age. So you could be playing catch up for the rest of your life if you use this thing incorrectly. So. Wow. How long do you, how long do you typically spend on taxation, stock market? Like, um, cause you know, like when you're taking math, you may, you may spend like uh, a week on this portion of algebra or something like that. How long do you spend on like taxation and uh, stock market? To be honest, the, I, I spend my entire year introducing things to students. So I think that one of the things that we do uh, students to disservice, one of the ways we do students to disservice is by compartmentalizing education. This week, we're gonna learn about taxes and then you won't need it anymore after we take the test. Next week, we're gonna learn about credit cards and then you won't need it anymore after the test. That's the wrong way to go about it in my opinion. I think that, you know, what I share this with my students my life as it comes up. So now this is tax season. Um, I just, I, I'm just at the tail end of an audit that I went through with the IRS and I told my students about it. I said, hey, listen, I went through an IRS audit and let me share with you guys what I learned from that audit. The auditor doesn't know everything. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and I share with them a story about how the IRS auditor try to tell me that it was it was incorrect for me to, to deduct the interest on my car loan because I was already deducting the mileage. He said, it's either or. I said, well, that isn't consistent with what I've read. And so, you know, I humbly shared the information with the guy and he admitted that he was wrong, I was right. Um, but that story, is something that gives the kids meaning. It's taught in context. Um, it's teaching them not only about taxation, but about self-advocacy. And, you know, so when you, when you compartmentalize and say, hey, this week we're learning about taxes, they wouldn't have heard that story, you know, and they wouldn't have seen it in context. And so 
I, I give it to them as it comes up in real life. And that way is they're seeing it consistently in a, in a, in a practical manner and they can see how to apply it to their lives. Wow. I want to back up just a little bit because you talked about um, your students, their, their um, foreign, their foreign, their foreign, they, um, yeah, they have a foreign language. Yeah. So does that, does that create a, a real barrier because math is all numbers? Well, math is its own language, um, to be honest with you. So uh, there are students who it's possible for a student to not have a grasp on the English language, but have a very firm grasp on mathematical language and their understanding of mathematical concepts. So the majority of our students are Hispanic. So I speak Spanish and that helps out a lot. Um, I also have students who speak Amharic. I have students who speak French, who, who speak Arabic. And so the language can sometimes be a problem because for example, I'm work, I was working with some, some students in calculus um, the other day. And so it was a, a, pro, a very common problem that comes up in calculus when we're talking about related, rate, re, related rates. So ladder is leaning up against the wall and it's, it starts sliding down the wall and you're comparing the speed that the top of the ladder is falling versus the speed that the base of the ladder is moving away from the wall. But the student that I was going over the problem with did not know what a ladder is. Mm. So I went through the entire problem and we read it a couple of times and I started asking the student questions and I could tell that, that the student wasn't comprehending. And so I said, well, can you draw me a picture of what, what's in your mind, what this is? And so the student said, well, I, I don't know what, what a later, what the later, later is. <laughs> I said, oh no, that's a ladder. And so I drew the picture and then bells, lights, light bulbs started coming on, you know, but it, light bulbs in my head as well, because I assumed that, I mean, a ladder, I mean, that's one of the words that I would assume that you probably learned, you know, that's one of the first, you know, 40 words that you learned, but it was not. <laughs> so it was mm -hmm. a learning experience for her and me as well. So. So, it, so it does. So I think that was the quite, that was like the, what I really was trying to get at, like um, just not knowing that certain words in the English language can create a barrier what you learn in math is that a fair statement? Yes, um, it can it can affect the application. Well, really, what what is it affect? What is it is affecting is the fact that most problems are pre-printed, and the, and the problems assume a certain base of knowledge. So the way that you get around that is you you create a story and you 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 go into the story before you go into the problem and you tap into the student's prior knowledge and you, you just create a conversation. Okay, so guys, this is, let's read this problem. You read the problem, then you come off of the text and you, you, you speak about real life. Um, if you can pull in some, some pictures, that'd be great. If we were in person, this is a lot easier because I can gesticulate, right? I can, I can, make body motions and show show them but online it, it becomes a bit more difficult because 
you're talking and you can't even see the student's expression to uh. determine whether or not they are getting it or not, you know? And, you know, most of the kids, that, I mean, all the kids, they turn their cameras off. They don't turn their cameras on. <laughs> <laughs> they don't keep the cameras on. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and so, it, you know, if you, if, 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 if 10 of the kids, if 20 of the kids got their camera off and they're not going to be five kids who turn it on because they don't want to lose cool points. Right. So it's like, well, I don't want to be the only one that turns my camera on. So I just turn it off. <laughs> and, you know, some teachers are offended by that, by the fact that the kids don't keep their cameras on, but I know I grew up at 905 Balboa in yeah. Capitol Heights, Maryland. And uh, if I was at home and it was online learning, I would not want to turn my camera on. Know <laughs> 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 what I want my mic on, you know? So, you know, you just have to understand that, that uh, that's not everyone has the same reality. And, you know, there's some students I've called on them and they, Turn, they unmuted their mic and it's like, it sounds like they're in the, on, I mean, I mean, you can hear all kinds of stuff going on in the background and then you feel like, oh man, I, I'm so sorry, you know? Kids crying, you know, adults yelling, <laughs> you know? Mm. So, so you really just have to be very sympathetic during this time of COVID, um, but non-COVID, uh, I love it. I love working with these guys. Um, I love work, working with them even during COVID, but um, the challenges is a little bit more challenging during COVID, but you know, it's, it's, I love it nonetheless. Has COVID made you reevaluate like how long you want to teach? No, um, it's made me, I mean, I, I, I love, um, I love the teaching online. It's, it's written. It's, it's much easier for me because there have been some Mondays that I've, uh, you know, waking up and I've awakened and felt like, dude, I'm so glad I don't have to leave this house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like maybe you ate something spicy, you know, or just whatever. It's just like, you, it gets like that sometimes. And I know if I had to leave my house, I would probably be in a bad mood the entire day. But just the fact that I didn't have to leave the house made me feel like, you know what, I can get through this and let me just go ahead and, and, and knock this out real quick. And so, um, but I love it. I think it's, I, I think it's great. It's also made me streamline my, my teaching. Um, and uh, it's been great. It's, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been very rewarding. And I think the students have rid, risen to the challenge too. So. So you would say it's actually made you a better teacher? I wouldn't say it's made, well, I think, I think it's put another arrow in my quiver, if you will, um, because I never had to do this, but I've done it and it's gone well. Um, I don't think it's optimal for all students. I teach high school, I teach seniors. So, you know, they're a bit more mature. Um, but I think that, you know, let's say if we, we went down to the ninth grade, for example, the ninth graders, if we're talking about percentage participation, 
they're, I would guess that they're probably at like a 60, 60, 65%. You're losing 35% of your kids um, because of, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't know how to work the internet well. They don't know how to self-advocate. You know, they think that you understand that they don't have, that they have a problem, you know? So you're gonna lose 35% of your kids. Then you go up to the 10th grade, you're losing 25% of your kids because of similar, they haven't matured yet. Same issues. Um, they think all oh, COVID is gonna be over and, you know, I'll, once it's over, all the bad stuff that I, the stuff that I neglected is going to go away, <laughs> but it's not, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then 11th grade, you're, you're at, you know, 75, 80%, 85%. And then now, now as a 12th grader, most of my kids realize that, you know, the, if you don't, if, if, you, if you have problems in your life, ignoring them is not going to make them go away. So I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm at about 90%. So like 90% of my kids are functioning, showing up regularly, doing their work, getting it done. Like they, they're getting it in. Okay. And then you got 10% who, you know, um, you got a, a, a few of them are immature. A few of them, life's worries are just overwhelming them. And then some just, you know, they, they have other responsibilities. They, they're counting the costs. They're like, look, bro, I, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go ahead and get some work in. And they're, they're on the clock somewhere. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. What, <laughs> you kind of mentioned it earlier, the story about the ladder, right? This is something that I need to ask, and I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast would want to know. How the hell do we use algebra and calculus and <laughs> all these other advanced maths how the hell do we use those in real life situations? Well, that's an excellent question. And what I usually tell my students is this, the majority of what we learn in class, you won't need, you won't, you just won't need it. And so, but if you do need it at your job, then you're gonna get paid well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there are some jobs, <laughs> there are some jobs for which you're paid to determine things uh, how a, 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 a runner can decrease their or increase their speed, for example. That's mathematics, algorithms, you know what I'm saying? The stock market, algorithms, functions. Um, if you take your child to the, to the doctor when they're born, you know, they give you a chart and that chart has, you know, they, 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 may, they keep track of the head size of the baby, the length of the baby, the weight of the baby. And when they explain it to you, they're giving you a graph and showing you charts. And you can look at that chart. And if you see your, your child and it's far from all the other dots, you're like, hmm, that's either really good or really bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but someone wrote that program to show you the normal baby's head size, you know, mm -hmm. um, the normal weight that your child should be, the normal height, you know, and so all these things, and plus you, you know, like for example, with COVID, like we, we have to make predictions. You know, there were people, you know, the president was trying to determine how many, uh, what is these machines that, that, that they're gonna to have to make 
um, to hook people up to. Oh, the ventilators? The ventilators, right? Okay. So you can't just, all right, let's go make a million ventilators. <laughs> well, how many do we need? <laughs> well, based on the trend, this, this, this virus is spreading exponentially. So there are exponential functions and then you do some regression and determine, well, at what rate is this growing? And based on that rate, how many ventilators will we need? Because otherwise you're going to end up with a whole lot of ventilators that you don't need, or you're going to end up with not enough. And so we use mathematics to make predictions. And uh, we look at patterns, we study patterns and the functionality of our world, and we make predictions. And uh, that's, that's, in a nutshell, what mathematics is all about. Mm. You, you are in a, you're one of the few black male educators um, in the country. That's, that's not something that's very common to have a black male teacher. So does that create a sense of pressure for you? That does. Um, in fact, I mean, a, a quick story, uh, I adopted two young men and they, you know, they live with me and um, they were students at my school basically who were on my wrestling team and had gone through some troubles in their lives. And so long story short, they ended up, I was like, look, man, just come live with me. And uh, their parents agreed with it and their moms agreed and they, they live with me. So one of the guys, uh, he enrolled in a calculus class and um, at Montgomery Blair High School. And at that time, I was hanging out in like the lower level math classes, teaching algebra and maybe a little geometry here and there. But I, I said, well, look, I get paid the same amount for teaching algebra as I do for teaching calculus. So I'm gonna go ahead and hang out right here. It's no big deal. But he dropped out of that class after one week. And so I said, yo, what, what are you doing, man? Why'd you drop out the calculus class? He said, well, I figured out, you know, I didn't need it. I said, well, what do you, what do you plan to do with your life when you get older? You know, what do you want to study in college? He said, I figure I want to be an engineer. I said, well, what type of engineer? He, he didn't know exactly which type, but he wanted to be an engineer. I said, well, here's your homework. I want you to research what classes you need to be an engineer. So I don't care. He said, what kind? I said, I don't care. Any kind. <laughs> so he, he looked and obviously he found that calculus is a requirement for any type of engineer that you want to be. And so after that discussion, I was like, yeah, did you really need to get back in that class? Because you don't want college to be the first time that you see calculus. I mean, you need to see it in high school if you have this opportunity, it's a great opportunity. So after more of a conversation, I, I got to the root of it and said, so really honestly, why'd you leave the class? And he said, well, I felt uncomfortable because there was no one that looked like me in the class from the students up to the teacher, there's no one. Wow. And, said, and he said, people would say stupid things and ask stupid questions. And I just got fed up with it. I just said, I'm getting out of here. Wow. And that was extremely convicting. And so I said, dude, you, you really need to get back into that class. And that was a convicting conversation for me because I realized that I was sending him to that class to, to go there, but I wasn't going myself, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I didn't go for all the same reasons. I, I didn't feel comfortable. I felt like people would question whether I knew my stuff. I felt like people would question, um, you know, I, I told students before, 
Oh, I never, I didn't graduate from college. I, I was a janitor and they said they needed an extra teacher. They were like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell people I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a teacher and they say, oh, you, you teach uh, PE? No, <laughs> I teach math. And so I say, all those things make me feel uncomfortable, you know? So I say, I need to confront my discomfort, just like I'm sending him to confront his discomfort. And uh, that was actually the beginning of the whole Tupai thing because, um, you know, Tupai, my rap moniker, I started rapping about mathematics and everything because when I went there, I said, man, these students uh, really have deficiencies and they don't understand the unit circle. And so that's why I started rapping about Tupai, the character, my character, because he's Tupai units long. So he, cause he's wrapped around a unit circle and everything. And so, that whole little um, saga grew out of me going and teaching in the pre-calculus and eventually the calculus classes itself. So that was that was that 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 grew out of that. Wow! And so, and how long a, ago was it? This was back in 2010, 2010. And you know what was funny is I, I confronted the I told the the my department chair. And the principal said, "Look, I want to teach. <clears throat> I want to teach. Uh, I want to teach higher level math." And um, so I confronted the principal, who was actually black as well. I said, "Look, I want to teach higher level math because um, we're not represented there." And so he said, and I was blown away by this. He said, "Well, the data doesn't show that it matters." And I was like, "Oh," I said, D "I mean." And he and he's a black man, you said? He is, he is. And so uh I said, I said, I don't I don't know what data you're considering, <laughs> but to me that's just common sense. And I have I have my own personal story and I have other stories that have been shared with me that it does make a difference. And I, I didn't relent and I eventually got to teach the higher level math. So it was it was great. I'm sure that I'm sure that comment had to disappoint you though. Oh, I, I mean, I mean, you know what, but sometimes I think it did on the surface, but you know what happens sometimes, sometimes people get so, become so smart that they lose common sense. And, mm. you know, you become so reliant upon statistics and data that you, you, you lose your sense, your common sense. And so... <laughs> I think that was an, a, a situation right there that that was the case. Clearly, because I don't under, understand how he as a black man could arrive at that. But hey, that's another, <laughs> that would be another conversation. Yeah. I want to go to the very beginning because you grew up with 16 siblings. Yeah. What was that like? It was normal. Um I mean, you, a lot of times you don't realize how abnormal your life is until, you know, you, you're out of that, you're out of that arena, you know, and you start comparing it to other people. But to me, I felt like I had a house that was filled with joy, that was filled with action, um, filled with emotions, filled with love, filled with, you know, some other, some negative things as well, but it was always full. And um, I, I enjoyed it. I don't have any regrets. 
it was, I mean, we were poor um, financially. I mean, I, I remember, you know, my wife is from Vietnam and I remember visiting her house in the villages of Vietnam and, you know, there were the sleeping quarters, but then there was an outhouse, you know, you had to go out outside to use the bathroom and the water was rainwater that had collected. And I said, look, you, this, this is not very different from how I grew up. You know, we had to use a bucket of water to flush the toilet, you know. Um, the bathroom basin never worked uh, while I was living at 905, um, at least in the years that I can remember, you know. And so, I mean, we took, we, we didn't have a bathtub. I mean, a bathtub didn't, was this, we didn't work. So we took, we took bath, baths out of, a, out of a bucket of water, a five gallon bucket of water, you know. And so, um, you know, but, but is, if it's normal, who you don't complain, you just, you go, you roll with it, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. And you grew up in Capitol Heights, you know, all of us grew up in Capitol Heights. How has that shaped you as a man? I think that the way that Capitol Heights has influenced me is one, you you have to have a triumphant spirit to succeed in Capitol Heights. Um, and I think that, that, that goes for any inner city and underprivileged individuals. I mean, we, uh, there, there were so many, so many reasons why we shouldn't be alive today because, I mean, from playing in the streets, riding, riding down the street on a go-kart that you made with wheels that you took off of a, a grocery cart with your hands under the wheel and then the wheels break off and your knuckles get scraped. <laughs> and then and they're like, oh, a car. You you know, you barely make it out of the way before, you know, a car comes zooming by. But uh, then the drug abuse um, that we've witnessed and, and um, you know, there, there's just so many things that you've seen. So I think, you know, growing up in Capitol Heights, man, it, it, it showed, it exposed me to a lot of stuff that, you know, one might argue that I should not have been exposed to, but I'm glad that I, I was exposed to it because it didn't kill me. And so it made me stronger, you know? So, you, said you, why, you, you said you were glad? I am very glad that I, I was exposed to what I was exposed to because it, it didn't kill me. And so it just made me stronger and wiser uh of what's what's out there you know yeah when you were growing up what what did you want to be when you were growing up i didn't know what i wanted to be uh alive that was about it but you <laughs> looked around and you see the examples of i mean who 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 was who were the role models um you saw there weren't there weren't many professionals it was a blue collar town mm -hmm. um the, the most consistent and reliable people in the area were the auto mechanics. Um, I remember uh, Mr. Austin who lived down the street. Um, he was an auto mechanic and he worked on cars faithfully. Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. and people revered him in the neighborhood because it's like, oh, he can fix it. <laughs> he can fix anything, you know? <laughs> 
So he was someone that you look up to. It's like, man, that guy's out there every day, grease monkey, you know, just fixing cars. Yeah. Um, Mr. Stooks from up the street uh, was a carpenter and um, he did it faithfully. He could fix anything as far as I could tell, you know, but outside of those individuals, there weren't many other people uh, doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, and so um, there were a lot of young people getting into mischief. But when you talk about seeing yourself beyond the mischief, because you know there's the mischief, but you're like, okay, at some point I'm going to be a man. What do I want to be? And um, I didn't have any idea, but I, I decided to become a teacher because when I was in a 12th grade, uh, a man by the name of Mr. Forrest um, had a very profound impact on my life. And also a gentleman by the name of Santo Chase, he was my high school wrestling coach. And so between those two gentlemen, I said, man, I wanna impact people's lives like these guys have impacted my life. And I, I loved mathematics. I loved the, 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 the chess game where you're sitting down with a problem and you, you're trying to figure it out. Um, that, that really appealed to me. And then uh, with, with Santo Chase, I mean, he, he really, I mean, my, my dad was 46 when I was born. So he was, I love my dad, he was very loving, but in terms of structure, discipline, um, I didn't get that from my dad. So, although I did see my, my dad would get up every set, every morning and have worship service to God. That was the the discipline that I did see that in my father, but in terms of like the practical, you know, daily life discipline, pushing yourself to to get to another level, I, I got that from Santo Chase, and so, um, you know, I, I wanted to give that to other people because it, it it was something that changed my life. So, it's just ironic that to hear you answer, you didn't know what you wanted to be, because I remember growing up and not knowing what I wanted to be. And it's, and I almost feel like that's an environment thing. You just can't yeah. see past it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, most people see what, I mean, the Bible says the son can only do what he sees his father doing. And it's, he's talking about Jesus and God, but the same for us, you know, like when you see your parent doing something, that inspires you and it's something that you can watch and you can learn from. But if, I mean, my dad was retired for, for the majority of my life. And so yeah. I didn't see him doing much of anything um, other than, you know, being a minister, but, and I did, I know I didn't want to do that, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but I, I, I loved his love for God though. And um you know, I, I want I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what. And it's like, well, what do you want to do? And the, the, I didn't even think of going to college. I wasn't even preparing to go to college. But a gentleman by the name of Jeff Taylor uh, was speaking to your sister, actually, your sister Tanya, and um, he had gotten a scholarship to I believe it was Morgan State and um, for track. So they were talking and I overheard their conversation because I didn't really know Jeff like that. And I, I didn't, you know, he was he was her friend. So, I mean, I knew who he was and I was like, hey, what's up, Jeff? That's it. But it wasn't like, hey, it, it wasn't I wasn't close to him because right. they were older than me, you know. 
And so I was just standing back, standing in my place as a younger, you know, a youngin, and uh, I was like, just listening. And I heard him say that he got a scholarship and I was like, a scholarship, what's a scholarship? Wow, scholarship for track. I wonder if I can get a scholarship. And this guy, I mean, he's, he's, he's from the hood like me. He's mm-hmm. over from B Street. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if he got a scholarship, maybe I could get a scholarship and go to college. I don't know. Let me st- maybe. And so you that, remember that, how old you were when this when you thought I, about this? That was like 10th grade. Okay. 10th, 11th grade. Yeah. And so um when I heard him mention it, I was like, wow, that's that maybe that's something that and it just was a seed that was a seed. Like I, I didn't know what how to respond to that. The next I didn't say, okay, let me go and research scholarships. We didn't have Google, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, <laughs> it was just that seed planted the word scholarship and it stayed in my mind. And I spent half of the time trying to figure out what is a scholarship. And then I pieced it together and was like, hmm, well, how can I get a scholarship? You know, those are the questions that came to my mind, so. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. It's just not, you know, I, and it's just funny because, you know, we've grown, you know, you older than me, but we basically grew up together. So to see everything you've accomplished, but to know you didn't know anything about a scholarship until the 10th grade is, is actually pretty astonishing to me. And, you know, I didn't join the wrestling team until um, 10th grade. And it, it was uh, some guys had invited me out. Like they started the team at Suitland from scratch. And um, they, some some guys reached out, one guy reached out to me, his name was Chris Jones. He was in my English class. But at that time I was doing horribly in school. Um, I, I, I luckily made it, but at, at, I barely had enough grades to be able to participate in extracurricular activities. Really? Really. So ninth grade, I had like a, one point something, you know? Um, wow. Yeah, like I, I, I was on, I was on the road to dropout-ism, <laughs> so. I never um, knew that. Yeah, so so ninth grade, horrible grades, barely missed like 40 plus days of school. And I, I continued with the same pattern during 10th grade, but see the thing that, that, that the blessing was the fact that wrestling is a second semester sport right so first quarter i was ineligible the guy started talking to me and said hey man you should come out you should come out and i just by the skin of my teeth had a 2.0 and was able to participate um in wrestling and so when i went out for the wrestling team i did very well um you know first day going and rolling around with the guys I, i did a great job i did i mean i did well and so, cause you know, I would, I would just, in Capitol Heights, we would walk the dogs, lift weights, and you know, it, we didn't, we wouldn't go to school. So I was strong as an ox, you know? Yeah. So when I went, I, um, I even, I even took the coach down and did well. So he was like, Hey, I want you to come back tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, him saying that, I mean, that was enough. I, I had a, a, a gentleman taking an interest in me and in a sport that I was doing well with. And so I just flourished with the sport. But the other thing that happened was I was around people who cared about their grades. Like mm. Kwabana, one, my, my buddy Kwabana Asamoah, 
shout out to Quab. He's out in Ghana um, doing his thing. Quab was like a straight A student. He was an A, 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 B student. He was 3.0 plus. Damon uh, Stevens, same thing. And these guys, they were great, great athletically, but they were killing it in the classroom. And um, man, I was like, shucks, dude, I can't let these dudes just, I mean, I'm smart. I mean, I'm not doing, I'm not applying myself, but I know I'm smart. I can figure this stuff out. And um, so I started applying myself, started taking books home and got a backpack. <laughs> Cause I never took, <laughs> I, I never took books home, man. You know what I'm saying? So I got a backpack and um, started doing my work, man. And, and um, before you know it, I was, I was, I was getting 3.0, 3.5s, 3. 3.96, you know? And, um, and then uh, by the time I was 12th grade, um, college just started looking at me and uh, for wrestling and um, ended up getting a scholarship to American University. So it's crazy how I just don't remember the struggle. I really like yeah. all I remember is you coming home with excellent grades. And I, I guess I'm not supposed to remember. <laughs> but, but the thing is, you said it's, you call it the struggle, but really it wasn't really it was just normal, right? It was just normal yeah. life. And that's how yeah. we did. We just, we did foolish things and, and um, you know, it was just, <laughs> you go it's, to sleep it, and wake it's up. It's really, I think it really just boils down to not finding that motivation to, to do something. That's right. Just not knowing what's, 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 what lies ahead. No, no direction. Yeah. You know, you know, the Bible says my people perish for lack of vision, you know? And if, if you can't see, if, you, if you're not aiming for something, you're gonna miss every time, you know? So that was, the, that was the factor that was, it was just, there was nothing to look forward to. Hmm. Yeah. Damn. Wow, that's deep. I, I'm, wow. I just, I just never, like I'm, you just blew me away with the, the whole grades thing because again, it's just, I never remember that. Like, cause I mean, we, we're not what you 46, right? 40s, I don't even know. 40, yeah, 47. So we're not that, I mean, we, we like seven years apart. So I would have been like eight. So I don't know. I guess I wouldn't, I guess if you know, if you're not, if people not really talking about it, because yeah. like you said, it wasn't, it was understood, like I ain't gonna say understood, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really a big deal if people wasn't making good grades, which is unfortunate. Right. I mean, that, uh, who knows what grades people got, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we didn't even talk about grades. Right. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't something we took pride in, right? It's but like, once you started making good grades, it was talked about, which is good. Right, right. Because then, so yeah. And I remember having conversations with you about life, about, about uh, promiscuity and stuff like that. And just like, you know, you want to make sure you're married and this. And I remember having conversations with you about that. But that was after I had, you know, gone to college, um, become a Christian. Uh, and, and, and so then I, I came back. I would come back frequently and, and reach out to people and, you know, try to study the Bible with folks and, and just share my life, you know. But yeah, um, 
prior to that man it was like whatever bro it's all good it's all good whatever is good you know what you know what i want i don't want to spend a lot of time on that but you you brought it up and i would like to know how you felt because when you came back everybody viewed you as different um yeah that that uh that was tough for a minute but but then you realize that i mean you you i should be different right i mean if I came back and I was the exact same, then I wasted, you know, $40,000, $80,000 on school, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like Moses went up to the mountain and talked to Jesus, right? Talked to God, he came back, it was like, whoa, this dude is different, you know what I'm saying? So you're supposed to be different. And I got used to that, it's like, okay, I mean, initially, it, I felt bad because you don't want to be left out, right? You don't want to be the outsider. But in reality, who cares? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I should be different. I am different. And I, I embraced the fact that I'm different. And just like when I went to American University, I was the, I mean, I was, I was one, I could count that number of black people on my hand, you know, um, literally. And so, um, I was different. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and and I had to wrestle with that, and I had to be comfortable with that. And you know, if people people uh, look at you differently. Sometimes people called me out of my name. I mean, they didn't say it to my face, but it <laughs> happened. <laughs> and and uh, okay, cool. I'm different. You know, somebody called me the N word, but I mean that that that's never meant much to me because I mean. You could, you might as well call me a chicken or a dog or a cat. I mean, that that N word doesn't mean anything to me because I know who I am. You know what I'm saying? Right. But um, but yeah, I was I was I was different, and and then coming back, you know, I I, I spoke differently. I I used the word ly for adverbs. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> <laughs> and, and people, man, you talking white? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry that, that I know. I'm sorry that I know that it's uh, what's. I mean, I'm sorry that I, I, I took a look in the dictionary and learned that some of the things that we used to say weren't actual words. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's all good, man. Uh, you 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 just grow up and you live and you learn, man. I could tell you though, I honestly, I could honestly say I was always happy when you came home and I never, I never felt that way. I don't know if it's because deep, like maybe I like, like I knew what you were doing, even though it's weird because I didn't know, but I think we, cause we're kind of along the same lines. We, you know, we both intelligent, but we, at that stage of our life, it was just like, we was just, we was in Capitol Heights, just surviving basically. <laughs> and and, on, and you you can tell who's on the up and up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that, that you were moving in the right direction. You had standards, you have some things that you're like, nah, I'm not trying to roll like that, you know? Yeah. You had every opportunity to, I mean, we, we had every opportunity to participate in the wrong stuff. And I, I played my hand, but then I was like, you know what? I'm not trying to roll like that, man. Uh, it's, 
it's, it's, it's a dead end road. I'm not traveling down there. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, I saw enough, enough 35 year old, 40 year old men riding around on no speed bikes. Yeah. Didn't own a car, still living with their mom. I said, dude, I don't want to be like that, man. <laughs> I don't want to be like that. Man. Yeah. Not, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's just the biggest thing. Like just those environments, you just, you, it's just so hard to see past it. Yeah. That yeah. I think that's what gets us trapped the most, just that lack of vision and lack of where we're going. That's even right. As, even as you get older, like I like to this day, I'm struggling with just sitting down, visualizing where I want to go, how I want to get there. And I'm 40 and I still struggle with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a process, man. Absolutely. We, let's get into the real estate. Um, how did you get into that? How did you get involved in real estate? I got into real estate. I've always wanted to um, delve more into real estate. Uh, my living at 905, for example, I mean, you know, we if you wanted a bedroom, you had to make it, <laughs> you know. So I, I've, I've never, I've always been not afraid to pick up a hammer. And um but when I started teaching in Montgomery County, it, <clears throat> I started studying for my master's degree and it didn't take me long to realize that given my mouth, um, I'm, I'm, I, I never withhold my truth. I'm always willing to speak my truth. Um, I knew that I wouldn't last for long in the uh, area of um, administration. Because as a teacher, I was like, I don't want to just stay in the classroom for the rest of my life. I, I want to do something. So I started studying to become an administrator. Um, I, I took like three classes, three or four classes towards my master's degree. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to last, bro. Like, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, somebody's going to ask me to do something. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say what I feel and what I believe. And I'm going to lose my job. And um, so I said, you know what, let me, let me go ahead and supplement my income as a teacher. So I got this program, Carlton Sheets program, where it speaks about um, no down payment. So it spoke about creative ways to finance uh, real estate investments. And so I got the course and it really just taught me, I already had the passion, but I didn't have the vernacular. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what this word meant and that word meant. So when I got that course, I, I, I studied it and like, after one week of looking at that course, I was driving through, you know, Capitol Heights and I saw a house and I was like, yo, I'm a, I had a for sale sign. I approached the owner. She was walking out, I said, um, how much are you trying to sell your house for? She said, well, contact the agent. But I think he wants uh, like 67,000 for it. So, I mean, it, it was her house. She was trying to sell it, but she, you know, so then I, I um, I went, I took money out of, so I bought my first house when I was 24. Let me go back and say that. So when I got my job as a teacher, I bought a house just to live in. But by this time, you know, this is like a good three years later. And um, so I pulled equity out of my house, $40,000 worth of equity out of my house. And I used some of it to buy that house from the woman. All right, so that was my first rental property. And then, so I kept that 
and I, I I still had some left over from that uh that money that I taken out of that property, and I I looked in that same neighborhood and linked up with this guy who was who was doing big things over there, and um, he had some friends that he had introduced to the, the game, but they didn't they they couldn't take it, and they were getting out. So he said, "Look, man, I got a buddy who's trying to unload um, a four unit building." I was like, "All right." And so he schooled me on, you know, look, when you got your down, you got your money, don't use all of it on one property. Try to get as many as you can with that money and try to do them at, at a uh, similar time before they show up on your credit report. You know what I'm saying? So if I make, you know, four trans, three or four transactions in this one month, it's going to take 30 days for it to show up on my credit report. So I, I ate that up and I was like, all right, cool. So I, I bought that first property. Then I bought that, that uh, four, the two unit from, he had four units. I bought half of it. So I bought two units. And then um, I bought another spot out in um, Montgomery County. And so then, um, so that was my first wave. And so I was like, all right, what am I do is as a teacher, since I got my summers off, I'm gonna use my summers to rehab the properties and then get them on the market for rent. And so, so that was my strategy. And um, I just kept doing it and kept doing it. You know, if it works, keep doing it, keep doing it. So I would take money out. And then, and then um, when George Bush became president, man, it just, that dude was trying to give anybody a house. You know? <laughs> so they had these loans where it was like no doc and low doc loans bro i just went crazy so i bought like another three or four properties during that that time and um so you know I, and i had an inventory of properties that i couldn't even work i couldn't even work on them you know what i'm saying but i just kept them and i would use my my, my school money to just pay them because i knew that in the future the properties were going to be worth more than they were when I purchased them. So, wow. Yeah. So you got to have some foresight when are you doing this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so, yeah, so it was, it was good, man. I love it. It was, I mean, I, I, I love buying. So um, fast forward to today. I mean, when I first started doing it, I was just putting section eight, section eight tenants into the properties, but um eventually, you know, DC started stepping the game up. And that's where I bought most of my real estate is DC. So um, whenever I saw the, the, that, the area gentrifying at in the least, you know, in a, you know, anything in a one mile radius, I said, all right, it's time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I would give section eight tenant their notice and we'd go over there and put a spit shine on the property, you know, put the granite, countertops, you know, and, and um, hardwood flooring throughout, get the carpet out, fresh paint job, everything. And, um, and then rent it out to single professionals. So um, instead of renting to families, I would, I would put an extra couple of bedrooms in the basement and then rent to single professionals. And so that, that really was a game changer for me. So let me ask you, how do you feel about gentrification? Cause it sounds like you, Black sounds like you benefit from it. I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> that's like uh, you—you got to kind of keep your feelings out of it, right? I mean, yeah. 
is is how do you feel about Trump? Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. I like <laughs> I, I I like the fact that he increased the standard deduction up to twelve thousand because I hire my kids to work and I pay them twelve thousand now. <laughs> Right. Versus the six thousand three hundred from the, the years prior, you know, so you just have to know. It's not about how you feel. It's about what do you understand about what's going on? And you have to work to understand it and position yourself to take advantage of, you know, what's going on. It's like you got your you, you out on the, on in the middle of the sea with a sail. You know, how do you feel about the wind blowing northeast? <laughs> I don't know how I feel, but I'm, a, I'm about to change my sail. <laughs> Are you planning yeah. on actually, um, do you plan on like giving some classes on like real estate and taxes? Because I, I talk to you personally and I know you know a lot. Is that something you want to get into? Or? Well, I, I have clients um, who... So I did start my my um, tax consulting business where I teach people how to hire their kids and um, set up a business, hire your kids, pay them, and write it off your taxes. Okay, so that's basically shifting the income. And so I am um, I'm doing that with my own kids, and that's one of the reasons why I'm glad that I went through this IRS audit because I got a chance to to put my money where my mouth is, if you will, um, yeah. because uh, during that audit, I, I let them know, look, I paid my daughters uh, $6,300 each. And so the guy was like, well, your daughter's only four. I said, good, I mean, that's fine. I can tell you what she does. I have pictures. Uh, she did some modeling for me. Um, when we go to clean up the Airbnbs, um, she has to look under the beds, make sure no one left anything, um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dang. So, you know, I have pictures and everything. And so, um, and uh, I said, when I go do my book sales, uh, cause you know, I wrote the book, um, about, there's a math book, but I wrote the math centric kids book. I said, when I go sell my books, uh, she's there handing out the books to people when they buy them. And um, so all those little things. And, um, and I, I went on to explain to the guy, I said, look, my daughters won't be on welfare. My daughters won't won't be won't my daughters are going to contribute to the system, and this is where it starts. And so the fact that she's four years old, you got some people who have their four year olds on a basketball court, on an ice skating rink, but my daughters are in business. And so uh, I said it's it's all legal. I know the law about it. Uh, it's in publication fifteen. Circular E, page 13, that speaks about, <laughs> you know, child employees. So uh, so I, I know what I'm doing. I have it documented. I've kept their timesheets. So yes, she was four. And uh, what, what do you not like about that? <laughs> what is there to not like about that? And so, you know, it went through. And so um, I, 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 I'm glad that I went through that because now I have that testimony to be able to share with people who, because a lot of people are afraid of the IRS, you know what I'm Man, saying? Listen. And scariest uh, joke is yeah. on earth. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're afraid of them. And uh, so I went through it and, you know, it's like going to see the Wizard of Oz. It's like, you realize that it's just, uh, they're people, you know? Yeah. And uh, you just gotta make sure you know what you're doing, so. I think that's the biggest thing too, though, because you said it earlier, like 
they depend on you not knowing what you're talking about. That's right. And that's right. But you you know your you know your stuff. So it's like that that that's the biggest thing, knowing what the hell you're talking about. Cause <laughs> <laughs> somebody like me might have got got when he said, Well, you can't do this. Right. I would have been like, okay, because <laughs> right. he's the IRS and he knows more than I do. But that comes down to reading and getting yourself educated. That's so, right. And yeah. so I have a I have a few clients that um, you know, and I, I don't want it to get too big because one of the challenges that I have is that I love being engrossed in my work. And, um, you know, I got the real estate, I have the Tupac productions, I have the tutoring, um, all those things take away from my family time. And so um, I keep it at a minimal, um, you know, I have, I have like five clients that I'm working with, they pay me well. And, um, and so, you know, that's enough for right now. And um, I'm sure it will grow because everyone should have a, a home-based business and everyone should be paying their kids because it's, it's at home where your kids will learn those skills. And, um, you know, and plus it's preparing the kid for the future. Like I'm, I'm paying my kids $12,000 a year. I mean, they're not blind Roblox with all that money. You know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> it's, it's, it's going into the market. And uh, if, if you had invested, you know, $5,000 when you were 11 or when you were four, dude, it would be worth, I mean, if you do that consistently, my daughters are going to be millionaires by the time they're 18, wow. you know? And so, um, or perhaps not a million, not millionaires by 18, but they're going to, they're going to have college paid for. Oh, they're yeah, going to be, be financially. They're going to be which good, is, which is most important. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they'll have a millionaire mindset, and which is the biggest thing. And so, but yeah, absolutely. You talked about family, and 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 this, I don't want to get too personal, but your wife doesn't work. She she's she's a, she's a stay at home mom. Was that the way you wanted to set up? I'm very traditional. You know, my, my mother didn't work outside of the home. Um, I think home is one of the most challenging jobs that there is. And, um, and, and, and absolutely the most important because I mean, I, I could go out and save the world, but if my family is messed up, then, <laughs> you know, you're not going to respect me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I, I knew that I want, I'm, I'm very traditional and I wanted uh, my wife to be willing to stay at home. And um, she did work outside of the home for a bit. Uh, when we first got married, I, I made it clear that, look, I, am try I ain't trying to keep you at home on the lock and key. There's no need you staying here if we don't have kids. But right. once we had kids, then um, I made it clear that I, it was my, my preference for her to stay at home. And she gladly accepted. And um, so, now what what is encouraging is the fact that with our airbnbs um she actually goes in and um takes the girls to clean them and we'll go and do it as a family and everything and so uh she stays pretty busy you know um shopping for the airbnbs and you know costco we got our costco room in the house and so the what room costco room you know, the, the store Costco. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Costco is all about bulk. So when you, when you start shopping at Costco, you're going to have to devote a whole a whole section of your house to that, which which brings me to another thing. So that's a tax write off as well, because storage of all that stuff 
you know, that's the tax write off my home office. And so that's a $1,500 uh, per year tax write off. So, wow. That's, I, I, man, that's, that's amazing, man. It's, it's really great to hear like all the things that you've accomplished and, and, and you know, things you've put in place because again, we come from the same city. So, yeah, we family. So, yeah, absolutely. To see, to see what you've done with your life you know, it gives us all hope and it gives us all inspiration. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, it's, it's, uh, and we're all, we're, we're all still in it. You know, we just go to sleep, wake up and love one another. And, um, none of us is greater than the other. And, uh, we're all on an equal playing field. And, um, you know, I think that is that knowledge thing though is, is so important. Um, like, just to go back to the taxation, when when we're accumulating wealth, um, and that's one of the things that I'm focused on right now, you spoke about goals earlier, just accumulating wealth and just like right now, I don't want to add more to my bucket until I learn how to plug up the holes that are in my bucket. And taxation, overpaying taxes is one of the biggest holes that there is in our bucket, you know? And so, um, I'm really hopeful that that um, you know people will realize how much we're losing when we don't understand the tax code. So, do you know is there is there an, um, is there a number of years you want to work before you retire? Or I love what I do um, in the classroom. Um, I have started preparing for retirement by, uh, like, I mean, I'm, I just enrolled for grad school to get a, a legitimate graduate degree because basically when, when I retire, they'll, they'll look at my last three years and take the average of that to determine my retirement pay. Mm -hmm. So I know with a master's, my pay will go up uh, an additional, you know, seven to 10,000. So I want to make sure that I do that. And, um, and then, you know, just keep enjoying, enjoying it. And um, if it comes a point where I feel like, you know what, I need to go speak my truth and I go speak it and they say, well, <laughs> we don't want you here anymore. <laughs> then I, I'll be, I'll just go ahead and exit stage, man. <laughs> but, so let um, me get this clear. You, you going back to school? I'm in grad school right now. Yeah. For a degree in math, a, a master's degree in mathematics. Wow. How, how yeah. long will it take? Um, two years or less. Uh, so I have I have a master's equivalency, which is like I took enough graduate classes to say that I have a master's, but it wasn't in a concentrated field. Like I took classes in Spanish. I took some math classes. I took some education classes. But um, having an actual degree will, will um, give me additional pay. And so that's that's my goal to get done over COVID, you know. <laughs> so yeah. So I had two two. God, I'm sorry. Do they have? Do you do you pay for it or the school pay for it? I'm gonna pay for it. Um, I'll seek to be reimbursed if it if they. I mean, I, I'm not counting on any reimbursement at this point. <laughs> all things considered. <laughs> um, I'm just I'm just happy to be paid. <laughs> we're, we're gonna have a lot of problems. Um, once this COVID stuff is sorted out because, uh, you know, there are a lot, 
a lot of deficits happening right now. So yeah. I'm, I'm paying for it out of pocket and um, it's, it's minimal. It'll probably be about 15,000 maximum at the, uh, at the end of it all. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I will seek reimbursement if it doesn't happen. I'm cool with that. And, um, you know, I, of course I'll write off my taxes though. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, you'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, if, if we if we if we structure our lives right, like ninety percent of our of of what we do can be written off our taxes. Wow, you know, and I'm 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 not I'm not against paying taxes. Sure, you I should just, be. I just I'm just I'm I'm against overpaying my taxes. So, <laughs> you know, I think that because the government can be like a, a a hungry lion, man. The more you feed it. The bigger it gets, you know. Man, so, I, I think it's talk about them jokers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we gotta be responsible and feed it what it needs, you know. Man, well, yeah. listen, man. I I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. It's been, you know, it's been a couple years in the making, but after the conversation, I can truly say it was worth the wait. Hey, well, well, thanks so much for having me on, man, and. and um, I really appreciate what you yourself, uh, the guys. Uh, there's another, a few other podcasts that I've I've listened to, and and um, I think it's really great just to you all providing people the opportunity to share their stories, and um, and also giving other people the opportunities to learn from uh, one another. So, thanks so much for what you do. Thank you. And on a personal note, man, thank you for everything you've done, just growing up, you know, in Capitol Heights. You know, you probably don't remember all the little stuff you taught me, but you taught me how to tie a shoe, so we how to do some math. So, man, um, just watching you grow and seeing everything you've accomplished as a man, as a father, as a husband, I truly commend you, man, and I love you, and I'm really proud of everything you're doing. I appreciate you, thanks so much. Hey, man, it's been a pleasure. I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate it. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lamp. And my name also on Facebook is Conversations with Lamp. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and it'll go right to your phone. Again, thank you all for your listening and your support. Have a great day.